This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. With the second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select... Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky stepping up, fires down the sideline. Robinson makes the catch. From the Raiders to the Bears, Khalil Mack, now officially in Chicago. Brought down, Khalil Mack. Welcome to Chicago Shuffle, a Chicago Bears podcast. This is Jason Pat here again filling in for Chicago Shuffle this week. I'm from the Cash Considerations podcast. I'll be joined again by my guest from last week. Uh, Ricky O'Donnell, also my co-host at Cash Considerations and then friend of the program, Zach Lee. We are here to talk about a big Chicago Bears victory over the Minnesota Vikings at Soldier Field, 16-6. Just an incredible performance by the defense. They came really close to a shutout. They gave up one long drive uh, to the Viking, to Kirk Cousins and the Vikings in the fourth quarter, but they held down when it mattered when the Vikings were trying to make one last-ditch effort. Uh, the Bears had six quarterback sacks. And Khalil Mack had another strip sack. And this was with several key members of the defense missing the game. Akeem Hicks. Uh, Rokon, Rokon Smith was a late scratch. He had with personal issues. Um, who else Who else were they missing here? There's somebody else bigger that are missing. Taylor uh, Bilal, Gabriel. Yeah, Taylor Gabriel was out on offense. Bilal Nichols was also out on defense. But we saw a ton of guys step up. I mentioned Mack had the strip, strip sack. Nick Kwiatkowski had, uh, I think, led the team in tackles with nine solo tackles. He had a sack. He had a force fumble we saw nick williams in the middle big number 97 had a great game he had two sacks uh kevin pierre lewis number 57 had some really nice plays so huge games just all around great team effort by the defense uh, It was really just nice to see and what last week uh, after the bears beat the redskins i predicted the bears would win because kirk cousins sucks he was awful again his final numbers looked okay uh, you completed like a big stretch of completions in a row, 27 of 36, 233 yards. But again, the six sacks, the Bears forced two Kirk Cousins fumbles. They recovered one, but it was a huge, huge loss. So the Vikings just got nothing going all day. The, Dalvin Cook had been an incredible all season on the ground. The Bears held him to four, uh, 35 yards on 14 carries, so that's only two and a half yards. He did have one touchdown, but that was late. Again, they were mucking up the middle, again, without Hakeem Hicks, without Roquan Smith. Just a dominant performance by the Bears defense. Unfortunately, Mitchell Trubisky did go out on the first drive of the game with a what looked like a shoulder injury. Uh, Matt Nagy was, said he doesn't isn't totally sure how bad this injury is. He was ruled out almost immediately after going to the uh, locker room. Uh, I saw a quote from, I think it was Anthony Miller said it looked like a type, a, a shoulder dislo- dislocation. Like he had had recent, I think that was last year, but again, not an official diagnosis yet. We're not totally sure. We will talk a bit more about that, uh, moving forward with this injury and what it, what it means. But unfortunate again, that Mitch in a game that was, would have been a really nice litmus test for him against a pretty good defense at home and a statement game to go out on that first possession. But Chase Daniel came in. He did a respectable job, 22 of 30, 195 yards, one touchdown, 
zero interceptions. He did a pretty nice job getting up, getting the ball out quick, not making any mistakes. He made a few nice big throws. Uh, Javon Wims had a long 37-yard catch. Allen Robinson had another nice game. Uh, overall, the offense was, I mean, just kind of what you'd expect. It was really vanilla with with Daniel, and they really didn't get that much going. They did enough, and they didn't make mistakes, and, they, and the defense rode them to a win. So a, a lot of good here with the defense and some other nice performances on offense with Daniel filling in for Trubisky. But the Mitch thing, obviously, looms over this whole thing. Uh, Zach, let me throw it to you first. What's your big takeaway from this game? Um, my takeaway, and I know that this is a Bears podcast and we need to talk about the Bears, but it's basically that the Vikings are a fugazi. And <laughs> I, I definitely, you know, listened to a lot of national pundits, a lot of podcasts that talked about after their week one massive victory about over the Falcons, who we've also shown to be not that great at football, um, that they were like the class of the NFC uh, North. And I think we can tell now that this, that's absolutely not the case. Overall, the Bears own. Uh, this version of the Vikings. This version of the Bears owns the, the this version of the Vikings. It's the first time they've beat them three straight times since 2012. Um, and the Bears at home with this defense is uh, really, they can beat anybody in the league on any given day. And I include the Patriots. Uh, boy, I'm going to say this word. I'm going to regret it, but the Chiefs. Um, I think they can beat anybody at Soldier Field when uh, the defense comes to play. I'm really impressed by uh, the depth of the team, of the roster. And I think you know, as we criticize Ryan Pace for the Trubisky pick uh, and other things that he's done in his uh, career as the GM, you really have to applaud him for the depth of the 53. Do you guys know, and Ricky, I'll just throw this to you, ever heard of J.P. Holtz before? I had never heard of him before this game, but he played I swear well. to God, it's like a, a Madden make a player showed up on the field today. Holtz with one catch for seven yards. Never heard of him before in my life. So um, I understand the conversation is really going to move towards Trubisky, what's going to happen going forward there. But overall, uh, Daniel came in, and as soon as he made a couple passes, I'm like, we, we've got a game manager. Uh, we're not going to have a massive mistake as long as they can get an early score. And I think, Ricky, you and I talked about that earlier in the week. Like, if the Bears can get downhill early, get a score, and kind of pin their ears back, that there's just really no chance for the Vikings. And um, it looked that way to me. Yeah, I thought it was just a really feel-good win by the Bears. How many times does that happen? I feel like typically, even after a Bears win, you're still like, yeah, but not in this scenario. Like we said earlier. Even though the starting quarterback is out for an indefinite amount of time. Well, I'm just feeling good about that because, uh, you know, Chase Daniel played really well. I think that, you know, we'll get into this uh, longer in the podcast, but... There's an argument to be made, perhaps, that his style, his game management style, is a better fit with this defense because, let's be honest, if the Bears' defense is playing like this without, what, two of their four best players in Roquan Smith with Akeem Hicks out, and they were still able to totally lock down the Vikings, you're not going to need a lot from that quarterback position. I think that what Daniel gave them today, mostly a B-minus effort, uh, you know, in the big view of things. He missed some throws. He wasn't perfect. But you know what? He made some plays in the vertical passing game. He didn't make any huge mistakes. So I thought Daniel gave them uh, a really solid showing for a backup QB. And then defensively, just unbelievable. I was going to mention the depth, as Zach already did. But you go up and down the roster, a lot of guys who aren't considered the stars making plays today. You can start with Chase Daniel. Javon Wims was good. Uh, Kwiatkowski played his best game ever. Nick Williams was absolutely phenomenal. So I just think that uh, a great team win, and I'm I'm feeling really good about the season now after that victory. Yeah, for sure. I, 
watching Kwiatkowski, I feel like he's gotten shit on a bit. Just because he's not very, he's kind of slow. Uh, but we, he had some really just highlight plays. Uh, there was the one where he just blew up Dalvin Cook on a blitz and just like bull rushed him back into Kirk Cousins. He obviously had that forced fumble on that big play that Leonard Floyd tried to pick it up and take it to the house. And then he'd fumbled and the refs screwed up, which by the way, the refs were absolutely awful in this game. I feel like several just obvious missed calls. Uh, but yeah, Kwiatkowski was awesome. You mentioned Nick Williams and Roy, I, I didn't mention Roy Robertson Harris yet. He had a sack and a half, uh, just, just a total team effort there. And again, and just watch, again, watching Cleo Mack in that first half, incredible, like right away, uh, just making plays. And I think it was the first, basically the first play of the second half, I think was what the strip sack and the bears got the ball back deep in Vikings territory. They only got a field goal out of it, but just so many just game breaking plays by this defense, which is what we became accustomed to last season, just forcing turnovers, getting after the quarterback. They said they only had the one kind of let up drive, which we've seen them have. We saw it happen against the Redskins, but it's basically when they get these big leads late in games and the defense kind of goes into that prevent shell and they, and they get kind of gassed when teams start doing just this short passing crap against them. But overall, I hate I, that shell, by the way, I hate yeah, that for sure. Like you've been dominating them all game. Like cousins has no idea what he's doing out there. You're getting in his face. You're putting him on his ass. And then you start playing off and, you give up in like a 90 yard drive. I'm not going to like complain that much about it, considering just how good the defense was only giving up six points, only giving up like, I think it was 220, 222 yards they gave up. So I mean, overall, obviously a dominant performance. We would like to see them clean up when they have those leads a little better, but I, I'll, t- I'll take what I can yeah. get, especially when you lose a home game, a big home win against a division opponent that allegedly you talk about, you, you can talk about if they're frauds or not, which we, as we've, Kind of laid out. We do think that the Vikings are frauds because with Kirk Cousins, just they're not. Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Kirk Cousins is now, I believe, it's five and twenty-seven against teams over five hundred in his career. That is insane. Like he, he's put up like decent numbers over the course of his career. But if you break it down and look at like again, teams over five hundred, five twenty-seven, like the prime time games, he gets he puts up bloated numbers. He and they look okay, but when you really look at it, just he's not a good quarterback. Not eighty-four million fully guaranteed worth. Like I feel like you just really don't have to worry much about the Vikings. Maybe this comes back to bite us, uh, us talking a big game about the Bears beating the Vikings' ass. But like you said, Zach, they've they've ha- had their number. I just don't see them really being a threat with this guy at quarterback, which is crazy because you have Stephon Diggs, you have Delvin Cook, you have Thielen did like nothing today. Like they have these good weapons and they just can't use them. And I mean, it wasn't all, it's not all Kirk Cousins. The Bears defense is obviously amazing, but they just, yeah, they just don't look like that much of a threat. No, I think, you know, if you can shut down the Vikings run game, they really don't have uh, an option B. Um, You know, that's where they're at right now. That's the trust. You see a lot of similarities, right, between what Nagy believes in terms of what he can do with Trubisky or what he was able to do beforehand and uh, and what Zimmer thinks of Cousins, because um, I really don't see a lot of like, hey, you know, we're running it for a yard. You know, what, what Dalvin Cook finishes with 14 for 35 with a touchdown. And honestly, I think 25 of those yards were on the last drive. So completely yeah. shut down what a lot of people are saying is the most dynamic uh, running back in football after Saquon Barkley. So it's, again, you know, a real credit to the Bears in that regard. But uh, I really don't see an option going forward for the Vikings. Obviously, they play out this year, and I think they have Cousins signed guaranteed uh, next year. But I would not be surprised to see an early round pick, a developmental draft pick at quarterback for them, looking to see what's going to happen afterwards. Because you can just see there's a ton of talent on the field for them. But at the most important position uh, in football and in any sport, they um, they just don't have the guy. So that's where they are. Yeah, and, you know, they just ran into a monster today in the Bears yeah. defense. It felt <laughs> they like did. they could have, 
you know, if the Bears wouldn't have gone into that shell during the one long fourth quarter drive Minnesota had, it felt like the Bears could have kept them at bay and uh, out of scoring territory the entire game. The Bears were just really playing well. Uh, Kyle Fuller, man, what a what a progression he's made in his last couple of years. He went from someone who was basically a bust as a first round pick out of Virginia Tech, a mid first rounder to now the last couple of years. He's been tremendous. He was pretty good in this game. Once again, he was unbelievable. Uh, the, the linebacker depth I thought was on full display today. Uh, Kwiatkowski was all over the field. He was, you know, flashing everywhere you looked. I'm looking at the roster with uh, Nick Williams. I'm like, was this guy even on the team last year? He was, but he didn't make a big impact, really. Uh, Just, you know, more evidence that the Bears have a lot of big, strong, fast guys in the front seven who could put pressure on the quarterback. I thought they were unreal today. And, of course, Mac, what a stud. Worth every penny and then some that the the Bears are giving the best defensive player in football. He Uh, is. I've got friends, you know, a friend that, that that roots for another team, and we were texting back and forth today, and he's like, unequivocally, I would take Khalil Mack over Aaron Donald. And, I mean, that's an arguable take, and I'm sure you can find just as many people who don't think that. But the what he does off the edge, what he does to wreck an offensive game plan, and what it does to provide openings for other players so Nick Williams can have the game that he had, I give so much of that to uh, Khalil Mack and the attention that he receives on the edge. And all of a sudden you see – you know, uh, a a a barely moving guard trying to like ch- chip uh, a defensive tackle in order to get out for Khalil Mack. Uh, that's totally a credit to him. So every time you know a Bears player gets a sack or has penetration up the middle, I'm always looking to see what was happening on the edges. And sure enough, it's Khalil just wrecking everything an offense is trying to do. Yeah, yeah I think was... that, that's a great point because there was one play in this game where Mac blew up the tackle, yes. then he blew up the yes. guard. And I think they gave Roy Robertson Harris credit for the sack. He got the yes. full sack. They didn't even give Mac half a sack. So that's a play that does not show up on the stat sheet that you know Mac created just by being the world's strongest man, essentially. Uh, how nice is it to, you know, when you're having one guy who makes such a large percentage of the salary cap to have him be worth even more in terms of on-field impact. Uh, he's a true superstar and it's just great knowing that the bears do have, uh, you know, a game changer on the defense every time he lines up. Yeah. Thanks, John Gruden. Uh, I believe actually they did change it where they did give him and Matt or Robertson Harris. They did split that sack and you, you actually just beat me to it. I was going to bring up that exact play. He just, I think it was Riley reef. Maybe was the tackle. He basically blew him up and then made it through the other guy and just yeah to force that. And he got half a sack out of it. Just an incredible stuff. Like I mentioned the strip sacks. I think he's forced something like 10, ter- 10 fumbles now uh, as a, with the bears and like what, like 19 games, like that's absolutely insane. Like you look at a sack number so far, they're, sure like, they're not like totally crazy. I think he now has four and a half sacks in four games. So like, I mean, that's obviously like 16, 17 sacks in a season is great, but I mean, just the holding penalties that he draws the pressure to, like you guys mentioned that he opens up. And there's so many penalties that they could call against tackles. I mean, I, there were at least two or three blatant ones today where the guy, he was getting held and there was no call. I mean, it happens every game we see. I feel like I complain about it on Twitter every day. It's like, well, there's another Cleo Mack just being blatantly held right in front of the ref, and they don't call it. So, yeah, like there's other guys. I think there's some guy in the Bucks who has like nine sacks. I think I saw Field Yates talking about how he's the defensive player of the year. But Max, Max overall, the sack numbers don't just illustrate just how dominant he's been and just like how he much he leads this defense. Just, it's incredible. They're so fortunate that John Gruden was couldn't wait to get him out of there and to make that kind of trade just – took this defense from being very good to being, they're definitely the best defense in the league right now. So just really impressive stuff 
from Khalil Mack. Cer- certainly top three. I think the Buffalo Bills had an incredible performance against yeah, the New England Patriots today. There, there's there's some good defense around the NFL right now, and when they've legislated out contact in as many ways as they have, there were some egregious calls early in the game and across the league, just like you really can't touch a quarterback anymore. Um, I don't know. It's a tangent, but it, to, to bring it back home, I mean, you can look at statistical production. The Bears have six sacks and five tackles for loss today on defense, and that doesn't even really begin to illustrate the dominance. And I right. really feel like there's work to be done there. Like Just like there's you know QBR and war in baseball, there needs to be this like defensive stat that really kind of encapsulates all the pressures, all the sacks, all the, the negative plays, and just like blowing up a play. Uh, there has to be some way to quantify that. I think that's kind of the next thing we're going to see here because Khalil Mack would lead the league, you know, backwards, forwards, left and right in total effect on the game. Yeah, I think pro football focus or some, I think some stats like that, they do uh, talk, like they do their grades or whatever. And I'm pretty sure Mack does grid out just ridiculously high and that, and that, and they watch other stuff and they try to take into account all that other stuff. So, I mean, obviously just either way, Mack Bears defense is absolutely incredible. Um, before we go talk about the quarterback situation a bit more, let's take a quick break here uh, and get a few words from our sponsors. Indochino is founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. Guys obviously look great when their suits fit well. I know I love a really great suit. It's always always a lot of always great. Go to a wedding, look really good. Go to whatever you're thinking, go whatever you're going to, looks really good. So you really want a suit that really does fit well, because especially if you have a suit that looks crappy, that's it's not good at all. So Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. And everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. The best part is that they're affordable. Almost all their custom clothing is under $400. The process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, the shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE, for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. And it's an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. You always need to get that suit that fits. Bad suit, bad fit is no good. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. Time-consuming, expensive, so many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the best choice? That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get your orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. Makes them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. They even offer big discounts on shipping costs. Now any business can access the same postage discounts that are usually reserved for large Fortune 500 companies. You'll always know that you're getting the best deal. So no wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time and with the best rates available. Right now, Chicago Shuffle listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you can use offer code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. So just visit ShipStation.com. Click on that microphone at the top of the homepage and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com. Then enter the offer code BLUE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. 
All right, and we are back here on the Chicago Shuffle Podcast, the Chicago Bears Podcast, talking about the Bears' 16-6 victory over the Minnesota Vikings at Soldier Field. As we talked about a lot in the first half of the pod, dominant performance by the Bears' defense, Khalil Mack, and the depth across the board was super impressive. Now let's talk about this Mitchell Trubisky injury a bit more, what it means for the team, what it means with Chase Daniel coming in. Uh, right now, we ha- again, we have no official diagnosis. Uh, Zach, you saw some stuff online it was kind of all over the spectrum with what, how long this injury could be. Nagy said probably not season ending, but if it's dislocated, like maybe he misses extended time. The Bears do play the Raiders next week in London. Then they have a bye. Like maybe it's a situation where he misses a week and then there's the bye and then he comes back. I'm not totally sure. Zach, like what do you make of the Mitchell Trubisky injury? What have you seen? How long he could be out? What, just what do you make of this whole situation? Yeah, let's all play internet doctor for a minute. Let's That'll do be it. Fun. Um, so uh, my diagnosis is that that was a horrific fucking... Oh, can I swear? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> oh, great. That was a horrific fucking injury. It was actually terrifying. And if that's his right arm, that's a Drew Brees injury. That's like a, hey, we got to go. That's going to be the season and we'll see what's going to happen going forward. That's a terrifying injury. As somebody who's torn a rotator cuff and a labrum on a really, I, I wasn't tackled by a uh, 1% body fat, 280 pound man, but I, I fell and it hurt. <laughs> I hurt my shoulder <laughs> to the point that it's never felt right again since. So uh, I'm not saying that's going to be the case for Mitch, but look, uh, looking at the bear schedule, just like you said, it, it's, you know, almost certainly he won't play in London. I'd be surprised if he makes the trip and then they have a bye week So it seems like a free pass to take a couple weeks and see where it is. And then they can do that, you know, wear the harness type thing. Um, look, I think the issue is less about is this season ending, uh, which, you know, that possibility exists. We don't know what this is going to be, but I'm going to operate going forward as though this is a manageable injury. The bigger issue for me is that Mitch already has shut down running this year. And apparently, after a lot of all 22 kind of looking at, you know, across the internet, the lanes are there. He's actually trying to be more of a pocket passer. And now if you add in uh, an injured left shoulder that could easily pop back out, I think, you know, schematically the bears might look to minimize his running further. So, you know, uh, Chase Daniel comes in the game and immediately I'm like, you know what? Like we're not missing that elusive in the pocket, you know, running presence that, I noticed immediately last year when when Chase went in and Mitch went out from the right shoulder injury, I was like, oh, man, like the pocket, there's just no, no pocket escaping. There's no awareness there. Really, the downgrade is minimal, and um, I don't have the concerns for the filled diaper throw that happens three <laughs> times a game. So, you know, I still have a lot of belief in, in Mitch and his long-term development, but right now for what the Bears are and what the defense is, what this team could achieve given game management play, you have to see this as a parallel move as opposed to some kind of large downgrade. I don't know, Ricky, you feel the same way? Yeah, I absolutely feel the same way. Like my faith in Chase Daniel is about as high as my faith in Mitch Trubisky, at least to what Trubisky has shown this season. I'm still in for like being patient with Trubisky and I still think he can have a good career, but uh, you know, when you have the defense playing this well, especially missing Roquan, missing Akeem Hicks, you don't need a ton out of the quarterback. And what Chase was able to do, progress through multiple reads, uh, throw the ball more than 15 yards down the field to complete a pass. And I thought that he avoided the big mistake, like you guys mentioned. So just heady game manager play from Chase Daniel. I don't think he played great, but I think he played good enough where if he does that, 
every week, the Bears are going to have a chance to win the game. Uh, I think that, you know, we're going to have to see how he plays against the Raiders in London. If he plays well there coming out of the bye, I would expect there to be some type of a QB controversy. Not so much as, uh, you know, a strike against Mitch or like boosting Daniel up, but it's like you don't need to have someone taking a lot of chances or putting you at risk of a giant mistake when you have the defense playing this well. Daniel does feel at least like a quality caretaker, if nothing else. I would guess that there will be no controversy. I mean, I think fans will, like, we're talking about it right now. I don't think, if Mitch is healthy at starting, I would assume, like, just, this is such a big year for him, which is why this injury is also just unfortunate. In his third season, like, we were expecting so much. Obviously, we have not seen that yet. So to have this setback, and if he misses some time here, like, I think that's really unfortunate. Like I said, I think once he's cleared to play and he's healthy, he's healthy, no doubt, even if Daniel's, uh, Daniel does really well. I think we did see, you mentioned we, he didn't play great. He played well enough, at least. He did have a 101.4 QB rating. Again, no mistakes, pretty good completion percentage. Um, but I think we saw the limitations as well. Uh, we, the, they didn't really move the ball that much. They had a few, ni- he had a few nice throws, a few nice drives, but they kind of didn't go anywhere yeah. that much. I feel like he had some issues locking on to guys, like making locking on to like running backs on the backfield or like a tight end, and just not, nothing much happened there. So obviously, like obviously, I can't complain about Chase Daniel coming in and giving the performance he did. He's a backup. He's been a league a long time backup. That's, that's what he is. I think he's totally fine as a backup. He knows the system against the and the Bears defense is great. But the, to actually win meaningful games when it matters, they're going to need the offense to score some points. And I, I, Chase Daniel can do a decent enough job in a home game. But if they're if they need to score on like a late drive or if they need to put up twenty some right. points a game in a playoff game or against a good defense to for like a division winning game. Like I can't say I have a lot of confidence in Chase Daniel. Maybe he'd prove me wrong. I ho- again I hope by then Mitch is back when the time comes Mitch will be back and hopefully in some type of a rhythm. What's but, worrisome yeah. about this though is like not worrisome. It's a good problem to have obviously, but like if Trubisky comes back and he has one bad game, especially if he has a bad game before he has a good game, I think that that's when you'll start to feel some of the fan pressure. Oh, I yeah. do agree yeah. that, you know, it's a very familiar you, set of feelings. Absolutely. Yes. As Bears fans, we've uh, experienced that a few times over, you know, our last three decades or whatever. Uh, Daniel, you know, he's not going to try to do too much. No. And I think that uh, he he's quick through his read. So, I'm, I expect the Bears to not have much of a drop off with Daniel in there next week, and you know I would expect them to beat the Raiders, go to four and one, and you know suddenly after a disastrous week one in a week two where they definitely should have lost. Yeah. Uh, if the Bears could be sitting there at four and one, beating the Raiders next week, that would be pretty amazing. It it's really it's it says a lot about the overall quality of the team uh, of you know the the you know from the roster management all the way down to the coaching staff all the way through the fifty three that they can right the ship after that really really shaky beginning and you can see like the cream rising to the top of the division so you have the Packers who we can all see now you can run on them um, I don't yeah. know obviously <laughs> you know and we'll talk about this like three up three down perhaps like what what the bears need to continue to work on. But uh, the class of the division right now is a three-way race. And I have to give the lions a ton of credit for, you know, what kind of uh, performance they put on versus the chiefs. I'm thrilled that they lost, but they look to be a really formidable team, especially at home. And whereas I'd kind of penciled in them for the bottom of the division uh, earlier this year. So, you know, as it pertains to chase and his performance, look, there's a context and a game flow kind of conversation. I think we all need to have, which is the bears defense, 
was dominant. They were at home. They got an early seven on the board, which he deserves credit for, especially yep. given that he wasn't expecting to play. But he was asked to do so little in the second half. They're just running the ball into the line and then punting it away and letting the defense do what they do. So, uh, like you guys, I'm kind of curious what happens on the road. I'm curious what happens when you know there's a, a real pass rush coming in. And I'm curious what happens when the Bears are down and need to drive for a score, and it has to happen on Chase's shoulders. So all of that, you know, we'll see if you know, how long it's going to be that Mitch is out and if Chase gets those opportunities. But, uh, you know, uh, it's funny. The thing that I noticed the most about Chase is that he progresses through his reads really well on the field. Like, you can see him moving to the next guy to the next guy. But in terms of the total clock of how long he holds the ball, it's longer than Mitch. Mitch grabs it, you know, picks his guy really early and gets it out of there. It almost always gets out sooner. And there were like, I don't know, three or four times where I was like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Hey, (laughs) 10-yard completion. Hooray. There were just like just another split second, and it could have been trouble. So, you know, one to consider as as we go forward, which is, you know, Chase likes to sit in the pocket a little bit more. And again, uh, nine different receivers catch the ball today, 24 different completions. Javon Wims really flashed for in moments. Like, there are those opportunities where you're like, the Bears have so many weapons if we can just get the ball to them. And I think Chase is going to be really good about doing that. Yeah, I really like Wims. Wims had probably the best game uh, of his Bears career. He might have had one one good game at the end of last season, too, but he was someone who I liked as a seventh-round pick from Georgia, played well in the preseason for the last couple seasons. I would like to see him get on the field more. What I, One thing I liked about Chase, he was just locking in on Allen Robinson whenever Robinson was open. Yep. If Robinson was on a team with a more competent quarterback and just a, He's you know, a more prolific offensive history, I think we'd be talking about him as a top-ten receiver in the league. The numbers probably don't reflect that, but... He's fantastic. He is awesome. Allen Robinson's a stud. That was a great free agent signing by Ryan Pace. Uh, And then curious what you guys think of the running game. So David Montgomery, 21 carries, 53 yards. Uh, Everyone said Jordan Howard was expendable. Howard, not great, but pretty good. He had a good game on Thursday night against the Packers, too. I would feel better about the Bears. And maybe it's an offensive line issue because the offensive line has not been good for most of the season. Uh, I would feel better if they could consistently run the ball in like power running situations. They still don't really have that. I would say at this point, we're four games into the season and Jason, I'd like to hear if you agree, but like, it seems to be less of a bug and more of a feature that the bears offensive line at the moment can't run the ball with any sort of consistency. And so David Montgomery does a really great thing where he kind of does that levy and bell pause behind the line. Uh, But like in terms of like a one cut runner, and like getting what's there, he's still kind of finding his way with that. And I think what that really has to do with is that there isn't a hole to run through. And he's trying as best he can to kind of eke out one and two yard gains wherever he can. And credit to him, you know, uh, I think, well, let's see, he 21 for 53. And the Bears just like 2.5 average. Tariq Cohen, uh, and, and I think I'm going to go on a big old rant. I'm I'm not Jason with Kirk Cousins on, uh, on Tariq, but <laughs> I have a real problem with him as a running back. I think... He's an incredible scat back. The wheel, the Tariq wheel route is one of the most dangerous routes in football. Um, he's been really consistent fielding the ball on punt returns, and he has moments. But my God, uh, I've never seen someone fail to read blocks worse uh, the, at the running back position than Tariq Cohen. He consistently takes 20, 30-yard gains and turns them into strange two- or three-yard gains. Uh, He consistently tries to do the old high school college football. Hey, I can run backwards 10 yards and flip the field. And still in his third year, that should be well coached out of him at this point. And so 
there's so much he can do well, and I actually have faith in Chase Daniel to help him find that. I would expect the wheel route to come back into the Bears' arsenal. If you guys remember last year, uh, especially in the Detroit game, the Thanksgiving game, the Eddie Jackson interception game, the wheel route uh, came in again and again, and, and also against the New York Giants. So maybe that's a, a situation of the quarterback that's throwing the ball and looking for him. But Tariq Cohen has got to be better uh, when he gets carries because right now, five carries, 11 yards, 2.2 average. It's really not worth putting him back there. And again, it has more to do with the Bears' offensive line, their inability to open holes. And again, I think we were on our third string right guard there for a while. Uh, definitely a lot of uh, injury issues and shuffling at the position that plays into it. But even when the starters have been in, it's been kind of a non-starter to hope for the running game to serve the passing game. Yeah, to me, Cohen is more of a gimmick player than someone you can really rely on. I still think that, you know, for a Bears offense that is occasionally just going to need like a big play, a quick strike, Cohen has that potential. He had a couple plays on the same drive in this game where on the first one, it looked like he had a huge hole. Cody Whitehair was out uh, pulling to the right blocking in front of him. And Cohen just sort of looked like he tripped over his own feet. That's a play where Cohen's got to bust that. So, uh, you know, that's, he needs to work on that. And then later in the drive, they threw Daniel threw him a pass down the sideline. He wasn't able to keep both feet in. Uh, He still gives you the potential though, for those type of big plays. I think that's important. You could really say the same thing about Cordell Patterson, uh, who again, they use, I think they ran him twice in this game. They used him as a wildcat quarterback. Didn't get anything. I really hate that gimmick. I really hate it. Uh, Yeah. I expect we're still going to, you know, see chances where you're putting the ball in Patterson's hand, seeing if he can make a play. But uh, to me, you know, not something you can really count on more of a gimmick thing. I think that's a problem for the bears offense, right? As overall, which is uh, at least in terms of the running game, either it's predicated on gimmicks and misdirection and making them think one thing is happening versus another versus lining up saying you can't, you cannot cover this zone, you know, this zone read and seeing what happens. I just don't see those yards there in the Bears offense. Right. Those like third and short plays. I feel like it's when Nagy's starting to get real cute. And I think it was a third and short with the Patterson Wildcat. And it just went absolutely nowhere. I know a lot of people were complaining about that. Just play calling in general on the third and short stuff where they really just they can't rely on like a power run game where they can go get yards. So they try to do this funky stuff and it just has not been working. Uh, and, and just, yeah, and as you just mentioned, just the run game in general, you, you mentioned the pack Zach a while ago, the Packers gave up, they've been giving up just gouged by the running game in the last three weeks. But when they played the bears, the bears, they abandoned the run. They weren't able to establish anything, anything there. And then they gave up on it. Uh, and the, and just overall, the bears have not really been able to get much on the ground. And I really, yeah, I think Cohen's had problems. He has problems. Montgomery looks like he's a pretty good runner. And if he actually had holes to run through, he'd be pretty pretty damn good and he can make guys miss he's pretty shifty you mentioned the Le'Veon Bell type stuff but especially in a game like today where like the Bears go up and then they go into just a really conservative game plan I mean the Vikings are just stacking the box right Bears off the Bears offensive line getting no push so they just have nowhere to go and that's how you average what it was like two just over two yards per carry and to be fair the the Minnesota Vikings have a very good defense they do. especially yeah. you know defending the run uh, there's a lot to like there, and the Bears found a lot of like um, success in the intermediate passing game. So I understand like that, and that context deserves to be you know acknowledged. But if you just think about like the Bears starting offensive linemen, like who's the best run like road grader? Like in terms of run blocking only, the the person I would say would be Kyle Long, and Kyle Long is a shadow of his former yeah. self right now, and I think that's a real problem for the Bears going forward. I hope. This time off from his injury allows him to heal and changes his effectiveness. But I think that's a position 
that the Bears need to really look uh, towards next year when it comes to for like really taking a leap forward as as a roster is a, a, ro- a road grading, run blocking, right guard or, you know, swing guard, whatever it's going to be. Because at this point, you know, it's more of a finesse offensive line. Yeah, offensive line to me is the biggest question mark with the team other than quarterback. It's a shame because last year they were better than I think anyone expected. They're still like competent, but they're just not giving the Bears an edge. And uh, I I do hope that the bottom doesn't completely fall out from under them because as long as the O-line can at least, you know, hold its own, uh, like we've been saying, the defense is going to give the Bears a chance in every game. I heard it referred to by Adam Hogg as uh, uh, the Bears trapdoor, and I thought that was really a great way to think about it, which is the Bears do have a good offensive line, but when it doesn't go, like everything shuts down, and, it, and those opportunities are going to be there in multiple games for the offensive line to not perform up to, uh, up to snuff, and there just is no answer if that can't happen. So it's definitely something to correct, as they would say, going forward. And especially if we're going to have Mitch out, I mean, even with Mitch, obviously he needs good blocking, but with a backup quarterback, Chase Daniels going to be playing for a while. They need to establish the running game. They need to protect him. Um, so this, yeah, let's just hope that that will change going into the future and go, uh, and just the rest of the season. Because it would really, if the bears are going to rely on defense, usually being able to run, have a good running game is just super important. If they're not going to have a quarterback, that's going to be able to go out and win them some games. So we're really gonna have to hope that, uh, that improves and the Kyle Long thing is tough because like I obviously you like the guy has been around for a while he, when he's when he's been healthy he's been pretty damn good but he just had he just had so many injuries over his career like you just really it wonder sucks. if at this point he's gonna be able to ever be like a, a dominant offensive lineman like consistently I I mean I'm I'm not here to answer for that but it doesn't seem like it's coming back right. you know I think yeah. I think if you're being honest about the film that he's put up uh, over the last you know 24 months the nagging injuries and just kind of who he is at this point in his career it really bums me out because I think he's the most likable uh, character on the Chicago Bears and uh, showed himself to be a dominant football player before injuries took their toll it's just kind of like a referendum on life in the NFL just how much it chews up guys' bodies and what it does to their ability to play the game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, finishing up here, I guess, like I said, we got the Raiders next week. Uh, do we think the Bears are going to make a move for a quarterback? They do have Tyler Bray, I believe, on the practice squad. I'm assuming for at least this week with a weird London game that they're probably just going to go with, uh, assuming Trubisky is out, they'll probably just go with Chase Daniel and Tyler Bray, call, uh, bring him up. Uh, because I think Tariq Cohen was the emergency quarterback today. Also, I also did not like how... Uh, they had a few running plays where Daniel, I think, I don't know if they were called runs, but like Daniel put himself at risk a couple times. On totally. I was like, what are you guys doing here? Like you're down your backup and you're, you got Tariq Cohen next in line. Like do not take these hits. Please stop. No kidding. I, I, yeah. I would guess that for now they'll be fine. I get, they're going to wait to see what happens with Mitch more. Say Mitch is out for a long time. Do you guys think that they should go out and get anybody else, sign somebody, trade for somebody? What do you guys think? I mean, Ricky, I'm sure you've got your opinions on this, but like, it's a flat no for me. I think, you know, in terms of like what's going on in the field, the Bears run a very specific offense. I don't see anybody coming from a Kansas City style or a New Orleans style offense that's like suddenly available. Then you'd have to coach them up and put them in. And then you'd have to talk about politics, right? Like politically, the Bears are committed to Trubisky. Uh, that's just like they've put all their eggs in that basket. They've made draft pick considerations. And so, you know, I think 
in your talk if you're talking about other quarterbacks you're talking about next season chase daniel will be out of contract there's a conversation to be had about what trubisky is going forward and how to create competition at the position but for this year no i mean unless the worst should happen and something happens to chase daniel yeah then i think you're going to have to look and see who's available on the street but uh i gotta tell you i, I don't think there's anybody available that can play football at a competent level on the street unless you want to talk about colin kaepernick and obviously that's not going to happen <laughs> yeah. for a multitude of reasons so for me it's a flat no we're, we're on the chase daniel wagon until troops comes back and hopefully that's sooner rather than later yeah and i'm fine with chase daniel i think that you know he proved that he's worth the money there is it seems like the biggest conversation around him is always that he's made what 35 million dollars off four nfl starts uh today wasn't an nfl start but he proved that you know he is worth devoting a significant percentage of the salary cap to because there wasn't a big slip in play, uh, and it, it is valuable to have a competent backup quarterback. I think Chase Daniel, while not a star, I think that you know he's competent enough, and that's a nice piece for the Bears to have moving forward. Speaks to the depth they have throughout the 53-man roster. I think you'll have Tyler Bray as your emergency next week, and uh, please, Chase, just stay healthy until Mitch gets back. <laughs> Totally. Seriously. All right. So Bears Raiders, London, crazy. I think it's still like a noon. I don't think it's like one of those early games where it's like eight p or eight a.m. like nine a.m. wake up. No, it's it's central time. I think it's actually noon central, like normal. Yeah. So I think that's kind of nice. So what what are we looking at for next week? Let's hear a prediction and just like a couple things that you really would like to see what you expect to see. Zach, let's go to you first. London games are always weird. You know, it's yeah. it, it's a road game for the Bears, so at least they're not giving up a Soldier Field uh, game yeah. for this. But uh, look, uh, the Raiders, I'd kind of like you know, mark them up to be a, a, a bad football team. If they can get pressure on um, on I always do. I do his, I say his brother instead of him. It's going to kill him. Derek, Derek Carr. Yes. Derek Carr. David's a David's on TV now. Yes. And it, okay, okay. So Derek, look, Derek Carr doesn't want to get hit. It's just kind of like the state of affairs these days. So if you can create early pressure uh, and get him to give the ball up, then it's a W. And if you have what happened today, which is Indianapolis couldn't get home and they got on a roll, uh, you've got real trouble. So I actually have no concerns about that. And I know that you know it's prediction time. We got to move forward. I kind of want to revisit one thing with you guys before we move to that, and that is Roquan Smith. Um, it is a really strange set of circumstances that's put him out of this game. It was two hours before the game. He was marked down to doubtful after practicing all week. Now they're saying it is a it was a personal, personal. issue, personal issue. And uh, Negi in the presser just said it's a personal thing and I don't want to talk about it. When And then when asked, is it just this week or is it a going forward thing? He said, I don't want to talk about it. So I, I don't want to um, guess what, what it is, but it sounds doesn't sound health related uh my hope is that everybody in his family is okay and it was right. something to that effect where he needed to be there but the other possibility it felt like it could have been um a punitive thing like perhaps he did something either broke a team rule anything like that like those are the questions i have right. because it was a really mysterious thing for him not to be on the field in such an important game and then there's the conversation going on about his absence um, you know, it'd be one thing if it was like, hey, he had a family thing. That's all we're going to say about it. But it's not that it was a personal absence. And we'll see about it going forward. Really, really a strange set of circumstances there. Yeah, uh, yeah. I hope Roquan can get back. Uh, Kwiatkowski was amazing today in his absence. Yeah, thank God. Crazy. That, you know, the game he played today was probably better than any game Roquan's played in his career, but that's because he set the bar really high. Uh, I still think Roquan's going to be terrific. And the, this Bears defense is going to need him 
uh, on the field to be the best version of themselves. In terms of the Raiders game next week, I mean, the Vikings right. stomped out the Raiders two weeks ago. Of course, the Raiders uh, were able to beat the Colts today, a Colts team that was off to a good start. So uh, I am confident the Bears can beat the Raiders. I think that, you know, the Raiders' worst nightmare is Cleo Mack coming off the edge yes. and making them look stupid all over oh again. Oh, my God. I, oh, my God. That seems like it's just definitely going to happen. Uh <laughs> You know, London. I feel is not, really bad for Derek Carr. All of a sudden, London that is not sucks. smiling upon John Gruden. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, I would expect the Bears to win, and if you can go into the bye week four and one, man, that would be a great way to salvage the season after that terrible Green Bay game. Especially yeah. given that you know that the Raiders just got their like feel good win of the year. It's always good to get a team that's like, ha ha, like we got it. All right, here we go, and then come to the next game feeling good about themselves. So it'd be one thing if they were desperate and you know zero and four coming in. It's like. All right, we're going to give it everything we have. So you get the Khalil Mack factor. You've got the Derek Carr wanting to turtle factor. You've got it being a strange London game. The Bears have played those before. I actually was lucky enough to go to uh, the London game. I, I mean, this is I don't think anybody was on the roster at the time. It was uh, against the Buccaneers and Forte played. So no, all like that entire generation of Bears has graduated out. But, um, you know, I, I think it's always a strange you know set of circumstances that puts a team, you know, a couple thousand miles away and trying to predict what's going to happen is um, a challenge at best. But the revenge factor and then the quality of the rosters is just the Bears would have to epically screw up to not come away with a W. Yeah, I believe I saw that the opening line was something like five and a half. Yeah, Brad Briggs, Brad Biggs tweeted that open as a five and a half point favorite over the Raiders, which I think. Wow. Makes sense for like a weird guy. You could probably argue that it should be more considering how good the Bears defense is looking. The Cleo Mack revenge factor game. Uh, but again, yeah, you mentioned all the overseas games. I mean, just weird stuff can happen with the time time differences and all the travel and stuff like that. I would agree that I do think the Bears should win this game. The Raiders, I do not think are that any good. Like, probably a very mediocre team when it's all said and done. And maybe even that's generous because they did have a nice win this week against the Colts but I feel a lot better now about the Bears after this game against the Vikings I know these first few weeks have been just kind of like obviously the Packers game was really disappointing and then the Broncos game and they should have been 0-2 but they still had a lot of question marks the Redskins are just a complete trash heap of a team we saw them get their ass beat again today and that was even with Dwayne Haskins coming in so but this game against the Vikings at home just a the completely dominant performance makes me feel a lot better about the Bears. I do think they'll win. Look out for the Khalil, Khalil Mack revenge game. It should be a lot of fun. Guys, I think that's about it. Do you guys have any final takes here about anything Bears? Ricky? Go Bears. <laughs> Bears. It's it's really nice to see the, a quality performance to like remind us all that like what happened last year wasn't fake. That's real. And there's you know continuity between last year and this year. Absolutely. Guys, thank you again for joining me on this episode of Chicago Shelf, where we have talked about 16-6 Chicago Bears victory over the Minnesota Vikings. The Bears are now 3-1 on the season. They are tied atop the uh, NFC North with the Green Bay Packers, who lost the Thursday night game uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles. A heartbreaker for them. Really just hate to see that uh, them lose with Aaron Rodgers throwing an interception in the end zone when there should have been a pass interference call. So you great hate to, to see it. it. Yeah. You really just hate to see that, that <laughs> final score. So again, thank you guys, everybody for listening. Uh, this has been Chicago shuffle, Jason, Pat joined by Ricky O'Donnell, and Zach Lee. Uh, as always, please do follow blue wire at blue wire pods on Twitter and go check out all the other great pods on blue wire, uh, including of course, cash considerations, the Chicago bulls podcast with which 
Media Bulls Media Day, Monday is tomorrow. Very excited about that. The Bulls are back. So now that the Cubs are done and those miserable craps are done and Joe Madden's out, now we get the Bulls to hopefully be exciting, maybe terrible. And of course, we have the, the, the Chicago Bears. Three and one now, tied to top the North. Good stuff for them. Guys, thank you again for joining me again. Uh, for everybody out there, thanks for listening. Talk to you guys later. Chicago Shuffle.